Awesome. Uh, real quick announcement before we jump in. If you've got a green, uh, it's probably an F-150 pickup, your lights are on. And let's all look intently as they get up. And I'm just joking. But yeah, if, if you're driving a, a green pickup, your lights are on. Um, don't worry, we'll jump you if, if, if you get, if your battery dies. Um, all right, if you have your Bibles, grab those. James chapter 4 is where we're going to be. 4 uh, is where we'll be at this morning. We'll finish up chapter uh, 4, and we will get there in just a few minutes. Just a few minutes, we will get there. Um, so last week, we just looked at a very pointed and intentional part of the book of James as he has written this letter to believers in this day who were facing persecution and difficulties, and uh, just gets very, very pointed, which if, if I could just say the whole book of James is very po- pointed. Uh, I mean, he doesn't hold back on anything, just very bold, very right to the point. And, and James does, as he's done throughout the whole book, he asks a question. Uh, and I just be, believe that, that James has just been good for the soul. I, I believe it's just been so good to just get in God's Word and just let it do what it's supposed to do and reveal areas in our life where uh, uh, we need to match up better or we need to, there's sin or different things like that that we need to look at and we need to deal with and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to kind of just bring those things to the surface. And, and the book of James is definitely a book that will eat your lunch. It's definitely a, a letter that's written that will just, I mean, just wear you out in a good, good, holy and right way. And so um, he just asked this question, and, and, and it was just a loaded one, wasn't it? As, as he just starts out, and he says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Uh, what's causing all this dissension, all these fights, all these arguments? What, what's happening? And then what we do is we just walk that out. We walked out that thought for a bit, and then uh, we continued as, as James answers his question. And we kind of even dabbled there for a moment. We could have spent a lot more time, but we just, we looked at some things that, that's real quick to cause arguments and fights in our world and even in the church. And then uh, as James does, he continues and we just continue with him. And what he does is he tells the believers of that day, he lets them know the problem, as would be the exact same problem in our day. And what James lets them know is that there's too much of us in us and not enough Jesus in us. That there's too much of, of them in them in that day and not enough Jesus in them in that day. And whenever we put ourselves before Jesus, it never works out like it needs to. It, it's never a good thing when we're filled more with us than we are with Christ. And so he lets them know that's the issue. And he, he even goes as far as to do this, is to call them adulterous people. I mean, now who wants that label hanging over your head? Who wants to be known as that, you uncommitted, unfaithful people? And so James just goes right at them, and then he does as he always does. He gives them remedy and hope. He roughs them up, works them over, and then he lands at a place of encouragement and hope. And man, what a response from God, was it not? What a response there at the early part of chapter 4, where God says through James, but he gives more grace. So as a response to their sin and their rebellion, the response to them being an adulterous people, God do, he moves in and he offers more grace. He pursues all the more to give more grace. And so I don't know where you land this morning with your faith or even the current state of your walk. Man, this response, what this response should do in us, church, what this response, it it welcomes and it invites us in, it draws us in all the more. This has been a response multiple times in my life that I've not been able to get over. But God, do you know what I, boy, I know exactly what you've done. I know exactly what's in that mind. I know exactly what's in that heart. And what does he do? He offers more grace. And so all of that, just a quick recap of last week. If you missed any of it, you can catch it online or our app or our YouTube page, Facebook page, all of that stuff. But so now to uh, James chapter 4, verse 13. I'm going to ask you if you 
Go with me as we pray, uh, and then we will jump in. James 4, 13. But let's pray. Father, we, um, we love you. Jesus, we need you. God, I just ask that you move and speak in this place. God, as we look at your word, yet again, Father, I just pray that it works us over in a good way. Father, that, that it would help us to grow and mature and be all that you have called for us to be in you. Um, God, we just, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that you tell us the truth about us. And then as you tell us the truth, you move into rescue and redeem. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would save that heart that don't know you, that, that that life maybe that's struggling, God, that you'd move in and convict and draw and there'd be repentance. Father, I just, I just pray that you would encourage with your word this morning. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult it may be, Father, may it be an encouragement to us to press on, to continue on, God, because you are loving and good and gracious. And we thank you for, for letters like this that we get to look at. And we get to see your heart, your nature, your character revealed for us. Father, we love you. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen. So, so James, as he has already, is going to make some claims, but these claims are going to be directed toward us, toward man, not towards God. And again, he's going to share truth with us that we so desperately need, that we all deep down struggle with, or we all deep down know is there, but we've kind of conditioned ourselves not to have to think about it that often, to kind of uh, get around it a little bit. So James 4.13 says this. He says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Verse 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So, so James is writing this, he's telling this, and I believe that the purpose of this scripture here is to reveal the heart of man, it is to show the issue happening. And, and I don't believe what James is saying here would say that uh, we don't need to, to plan or kind of a free get, uh, get out of having to plan or organize card. I don't believe that's what he's doing because we can see all throughout the scriptures that it's a good thing to make plans. It's a good thing to be prepared. It's a good thing to count the cost, look at the weight of certain things. That, that is a good and right thing as long as we know who is the one that allows things to come to be or not to be. And so there's great wisdom in planning. Preparing, being ready as best as we can, all the while knowing that there's one who numbers our steps, that there's one who directs our paths. It's good to do that. I mean, some people are just wired that way, are they not? I mean, they, they just, they find life in planning and preparing and it excites them and it just, it, it just gets them going while others, that exhausts and it drains. And so James is coming off talking about wisdom and the things that we looked at last week. And what he's doing is he's reminding believers how limited they are. He's reminding us how limited we are. And I would even go as far as to say that James here, when he says this, you do not know what tomorrow will bring, that he's being very generous in saying that. That you don't know what tomorrow holds for you. Because in all reality, we don't even know what today has in store for us, do we? Like we don't even have, we don't even have a clue about what's going to happen in the next minutes, the next 50, the next three hours. Like for me, three weeks ago, I'm here and I'm preaching, and as I'm uh, finishing up, uh, I see my dad kind of get up and walk out, and as he walks out, he takes a phone call, and then he just leaves, and my sister's here, and we uh, begin to talk for a moment, pull her into my office, and she's just kind of crying and just upset, and um, I mean, like, I thought it was a good sermon, but dang, God, like, um, which was not the case. We had gotten a phone call about my mom, and they just said that we need to prepare ourselves because it's taken a turn for the worst, and so I go to a children's leader meeting. So, so my day was already planned. There was a children's leader meeting after that that I was going to kind of set in and be around. And then after that, uh, hanging out with the family. And then uh, we was going to go home. We was going to play. I'm going to rough up the boys, do all that kind of stuff, try to wear them out so they'll go to bed early. Then we was going to do bath time and then uh, pack their bags, make sure their book bags are ready, their clothes are laid out, all that stuff so we can try to get a, a head start on Monday morning. And so, so that was my plans. All the while, 
after the meeting, I get a call from my sister, Scott, you need to get home now. We've got to go to the hospital. And so we load up, we go down to the hospital, and an hour and a half later, mom has crossed into eternity. That, that wasn't my plan. I, did, I didn't have, I mean, not for the day. And James here says, you don't, you don't even know what tomorrow brings. I would even argue that we don't even know what today has in store for us. That, that those of us in this room have plans, uh, things that we've prepared, things that we're looking forward to uh, for the rest of the day as we carry on. And we, we, we don't even know if that's going to come to fruition. We don't even know if that's going to happen. We plan and we prepare all the while knowing that there is one who directs our paths and that that can change at any time. Anytime, and James is reminding them, and then he goes a step further as he often does, and he says this, for what is your life? For you are a mist. I mean, you can try to play and you can try to prepare, you can try to do all you want to do, but you need to know something. Your life is but a mist. And in the original language here, it's not a fog that lingers for an hour. So don't think like early morning driving in and you look over in the field and you see this like just heavy, thick fog, dense fog, like just hangs there for a while. No, 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 that, that, that's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's saying. He's, it's, it's a vapor. Your life is but a vapor. Your life is but a mist. And so it made, it made me think, out of our life, this is what it looks like. That's it. In your years of living, this is what you get. One, two, maybe three. That's what James is trying to remind them. One, two and a half. That's all you get. That's your life. I mean, you may think you can plan and prepare. And I'm saying, again, you couldn't try to. The best to our ability. That's all we get. It kind of lingered for four, didn't it? You're making it to 80 right there. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse. But that's what he's saying. In your life, that's it. That's all you get. That, 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 that is, it's there for, we've got up to four seconds, and then it's gone, and then it's gone, and that's what he says, he says it appears for a little time, and then it vanishes, then it's, then it's over, I mean, that's us, the length and scope of our existence and being, right there, that's all we get, all we get, I, I googled this, because I just wanted to see, I wanted to kind of, like, kind of help us get a better perspective of this, and what would we say, anywhere from two and a half to four seconds is what we get, did you know that there are eight? 400 seconds in a day and your life is but that did you know that in a week there's 604 800 604,800 seconds in a day in, in a month there's 2,629,743 seconds in a day this year if God's good enough and gracious enough to let you make it the year you're going to get 31 million 536,000 seconds. And that's it. That's it. And what James is trying to remind them and show them that your life, your life is but a mist. And it's just there for a brief moment and then it's gone. And then it's gone. And so I just believe that James is just trying to help them, help us realize the lack of knowledge that we have, but also the lack of power to do anything about it. Oh, so you think you can go work here for a year and do this to make this wage and act and have all that. You, you think that you have that, but really you, you don't even have the power to see it through. And so I just believe that James here is just trying to get the church to just feel and realize a few things. And I believe the first thing is this, is our arrogance. Is, is our arrogance. 
Man, arrogance, will it not just run random in our heart? Man, I will. It's the I. It's the me. It's, the, it's, it's, the, it's my power. It's my desire. desire. It's, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to accomplish. This, this is what, this is, what this, this is the me. It's the arrogance. It's the pride that's, that creeps in. That sneaks in, and James is trying to, to make them aware of that. I don't know who you think you are, that you think that you can go make this way, or you can go do this, or you're going to be able to. And it really, at first, when you read it and look at it, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. T- today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such town, and we'll spend a year there and trade and make a profit. I mean, th- that doesn't seem like a big deal. But apparently, there's something happening in the heart of the people that he's aware of. And, and arrogance has crept in. I believe something else that James is trying to help the church realize is this, is just how big God is. It's just how big God truly, truly, your life's but a vapor. Your life's but a mist. It's there for a short time. I mean, how big our God truly is to be able to know that, to be able to be aware of when your day is. The number of steps that you'll take, the hairs on your, just how big and massive our God truly is. I believe something else that he's trying to get their attention about or remind them of is this is just how small we are. I mean, in conjunction to how big God is, how tiny and minute we truly are. I mean, we are frail, fragile, puny, limited little creatures. Are we not? Are we not? Uh, I mean, you don't, why plan tomorrow? Why think about tomorrow when you don't even know what today's? I mean, just think about that for a moment. I mean, how frail. Man, I don't care. I mean, like, how you are. I, I don't care how chiseled or how many protein shakes you drink. I don't, care, I don't care how great you think you are. At the end of the day, you're a vapor. You're a mist. We are fragile and frail. My hope in saying this is that the Holy Spirit would just make you all the more aware. And in making you aware how small, minute, and fragile you are, the Holy Spirit would invite you in to partake and be a part of that, that is minute and small and insignificant as we are, the God of the universe cares. And he invites in and he welcomes you. And he wants to, I think he does that to remind us of our great need for Jesus. I, I think he does that to show us and remind us of our great need for Christ. I think something else that he's trying to get the church to realize, the believers in this day and our day to realize is how precious our time is. I mean, you've got, you got to think about that. I mean, like, what, what can we accomplish in that? And my thing is, with God, what can we not accomplish in that? I mean, that, that don't seem like much. That's not getting us much. That, that's not going to go long. But with God, do you know what he can accomplish in, through us and in us? Man, how precious time is, church. There needs to be an urgency in our heart. There needs to be a desire for him and his glory found in us to live that way, to tell us. Man, man there needs to be an urgency. I've only got, I've only got one spray. I've only got one, one miss to go, and I need to tell people, I need to live in a way, I need to show people how precious time is, an urgency in all things, everything that we do. When you go to work tomorrow, when, when, you, when you live out your life this week, when you go to the ball fields with your kids, when you're out trick-or-treating tonight, are you going to go, yes, I'm going to go trick-or-treating, why? I want people's candy. Happy Halloween. I mean, I don't have to do the crazy whatever stuff with them, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to take my kids to get your candy, absolutely. And we're going to try to live like Jesus in the moment of doing it. I mean, that, that is urgency. We need to have that urgency there. I mean, life is precious and it's but a vapor. It's but a mist. It's but a squirt that lasts at best four seconds. Four seconds in a 32 million second year. That's all we get. 
how precious. There needs to be an urgency in and for all things. And so this is what he goes on, he says. He says, so he corrects him in verse 15. He says, instead, you ought to say. So, so you're, you're kind of there, you're arrogant, you're bragging, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to accomplish this, I'm going to make this way, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do. And, and what he says is this, is correcting him. He says, instead, you should be at this place. Your heart should land there. That arrogance and that pride needs to, to go away and it needs to be like this. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Is it me directing it and guiding it, or is it God? Is it, is it my plans and my desires, or am I submitted and bowed to the plans and desires of God? Am I going to follow me and my limited ways, or am I going to tap into the unknown ability of our God? The massiveness of His plan and His purpose. And so we plan, we prepare, but we always press into the Lord. And we're always obedient to where he leads. And so, so I've tried to live my life this way. This, this is how I try to model my life and live my life and my ministry. Just all around the, the Lord's directing. All around his will. Everything that he would want to do. Now I'm, I'm going to plan, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to try to think out, I'm going to try to uh, be intentional. But, but at the end of the day, God, you're going to direct, you're going to guide. You're, you're going to lead. I, I don't know if you've um, ever been on mission trips, but I can remember when we do a lot of mission trip training we would plan, we would prepare, but the, the, the phrase that we would always put in all the trainings was everybody that would go with us, but you got to be flexible. you, you got to be flexible because you don't know what you're, you you're going to come across out there. You, you don't know what's going to happen. And usually it starts in the bus or the van that you're driving on your way to there. And God will get your attention real quick with a flat tire or you break down, just more bonding time, real close quarters with everybody that, that you, you're loving right now because you've only been like two hours with them. And then you get with them and you get out there in the field and you're serving or you're doing and all this stuff's happening and it, just, it gets crazier from there. Well, we're going to do this. We were until God said you're going to do this. And so it's all about being flexible. We, don't, we would always say that. We always say that. So I've, just, I've tried to live my life this way, model my ministry around just the Lord's directing and His will. And, and I just want to say this about God's will. It will never contradict His nature and character that's been revealed to us in His Word. So God's will for your life can never be counterproductive what he's shown us in the scriptures. It just can't be. God doesn't work like that. God doesn't do His will is going to perfectly align to his word, especially as it pertains to your life. So you don't get to just go out there and just slap God's will on everything and think that it's okay. And so we're going to be very cautious when we do that. So for me, I'll use words like, I believe this is what God's leading me to do. I believe this is where, knowing good and well that at any moment he can change that. That, that I'm going to do my best to follow out and to walk out what I believe he's called me to do, what he's leading me to do, where he's taking me, all the while knowing that at the end of the day, he has every right to say, put on the blinker, let's go this way. And so I'm going to follow and submit to that. So let me just kind of just give, you, give you a little, um, I guess, illustration here of what I'm talking about, how his will will never contradict his revealed word. So, so like this, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've, I've heard things like this or had conversations uh, around this. Well, my spouse, oh, I know she's sitting back there. I've got to be careful. My spouse. But man, that guy or that girl over there. Or I just don't think this is God's will for me anymore. L listen, you married them. That's God's will for you now. That's just, that's the way it is. Now hear me, I know that there, if there's abuse, if there's certain things that God has, has given it out there, but, but, but just because he doesn't cut the grass like you like him to cut the grass, uh, or just because she just won't be quiet during the games, uh, that is not a reason to jump ship and find somewhere else. 
I mean, do we not live in the most uncommitted world that there is? The most uncommitted time that there is? I mean, when you, that's God's will for you. Well, I think I miss God. Well, too late. You just jumped in the middle of it. So what do you do in that situation? You stay, you pray, you fight for. Quit looking around and focus on everything else. Focus on where you're at and what God's got for you. That's what we do. We don't ju- See, because God's revealed word doesn't give us an outfit like, like, well, they just don't like the team I like. Or they're just hateful sometimes. Or they just don't, she don't serve me like she, breakfast is never ready and it's not right when it is. Like, that's not a reason. Because I'm going to guarantee you, whoever else you get with is going to have the same issues and same problems. It's going to package itself a little bit different. So, so God's revealed will will never contradict his word. And so if, if you want to know God's will, you got to get in his word. you got to pray. you got to seek. That, that's how you get to know God's will. That's how you get to know God's leading and direction for your life. You get in his word. You spend time around him. He'll, I believe this. I believe God wants to reveal his will far more than we want to receive it. I just believe that with everything in me. God so desires for us to know his will and walk in his will. The problem is our lack of obedience in the day. You know what I'm saying? And I also think that if he would just kind of like lay out his whole will for us to kind of let us just read through the book and figure out, it would scare us to death and we would run and rebel even more. Because I believe that there's times in our life we're just not ready for it. And so what is Reveals a little bit at a time, and as he reveals a little bit of a time, as we walk out in obedience, that revealed will in that moment, he helps us grow in faith, and as he helps us grow in faith, now he gives us a little bit more. All I know is I've, I've got a 15-month that can't chew steak. Why? Because he's got two teeth on the bottom, and it would kill him. And if, I believe if God was to give us the whole outlined directions, it would freak us out, scare us, and we'd run the opposite direction. A lot of times because it doesn't align with what we think it should align and be like. And so I just, I just believe that with everything in me. He wants us to know his will far more than we're ready to receive it and obey it. So let, let's, let's just talk for a second. Let's, let's bring this down to ground level for a moment. I just want to kind of like I said, share, share a little bit of personal life, ministry life, those type of things, and how I try to model and walk this out just in my life. So, so, so I like to live my life open-handed. I realize that, that what I have is not mine, that has been given to me by God, that God has been gracious and good, and, and everything that I have belongs to him. And at any moment, he can have it back or he can do whatever he wants to with it. The car I drive, the house I live in, uh, the family I have, all of that has just been on loan from God, and he allows me to kind of manage and oversee it. And so I want to stay at that place and be reminded of that. So in that, in my personal life, what I try to do is I, as, as I pray, I get in the word, I'm seeking, and as I'm seeking and praying, I prepare, but, but I am fully, fully open to whatever God has for me. Uh, and that sounds nice and good right now as I'm up here preaching until I get in the middle of that and it doesn't go like I thought it should go. And in that moment, I pray that I'm at a place and mature enough that I can just submit and bow to God's plan and His will. So, so it made me think like this. Um, um, any, anybody travel, when you travel, you have like on your GPS, like the, the phone thing, or, or the, it weighs, I think is what it's called. You know what I'm talking about, the, like the little white dot thing with the blue around it, and you like, you plug in your, your dress where you're headed. And so like as, as we travel, we'll, we'll throw that thing up and let it come through the radio, and we're like doing our thing, and we're driving, and um, I mean like we're going at it. And there are times like, like I'm at cruising altitude, you know what I'm saying? Like we are going, and we're probably, I mean like we're flirting with personal record best of getting there. And then over the radio comes that voice, in one mile, please exit. And I'm like, what are you doing? No. 
I know where I'm at now, and I don't need you to tell me where to exit. Babe, turn that thing off. Ah, hold on. In three-quarters of a mile, please exit. And I'm like, what, what is she doing? Why would she do that? Are you kidding me? No. I, I mean, we've been good, good cruising in the moment. I mean, it is wide open in front of us there. Everything seems to be going great. Everything seems to be going good. I mean, like, like, like we're booking it. We're almost, we're not far from. I, I wouldn't take, I don't know this exit. I don't take this exit. I'm good. I mean, I know the interstate takes me right where I need to get to. And so marriage over there frantically looking like, like Scott, I don't know, because I, like, I get like stressed in that moment. Like I get crazy. Like I'm road rage, but I'm just like anxious and anxiety in that moment. Like what? And it's hard to trust the speaking voice in the, in the speakers, is it not? I mean, that's hard. That's tough. And so she's over there frantically looking and oh, she sees something. I'm like, what do you see? There's a red, there's a red line. Red lines are never good on those things. I said, well, what are you telling you? Well, it looks, and she's like, in a quarter of a mile, please take sex. And like, now, I mean, like, it's crunch time, you know? Do I submit to this or do I keep going? I don't want to submit. I want to, I want to go my way. Is that Scott? We're looking at about two miles an hour down there. I'm like, okay, let's take it. Let's do it. And we do it and take it and we get around it. And it, it took us five extra minutes. Personal record. We didn't set for three hours in traffic. And as I was thinking, as I was looking, I was like, is that not our life? Is that not my life? Like a cruising, doing my thing, just going at it. Okay, God, yeah, you're cool, we're good. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, by the way, Scott, I need you to get off this exit. Or Scott, I need you to go to do this. Or I need you to, but God, I just don't know what that'll bring. I don't know what that'll be like. I'm, I'm comfortable right now. I'm good right now. Let's just kind of keep going this direction. Everything seems to be, but you don't know what's up ahead. See, that's the thing with, with, with how things work. And again, how limited and small and minute we are. We don't know what's up ahead. We don't know what's happening. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen two minutes from now. But God does, and he's already there. And so his working and his will in our life is for our good, for our joy, for his glory. So that's my personal life. And then my ministry life, I try to emulate my ministry life the same way. I pray, I get in the word, I plan, I prepare. But, I, but I'm fully open, and I'm aware that this is God's bride. This is God's bride, the church, and he, he, he cares for it far more than I ever will. And I, and I try to love and walk with and care for, but, but he so much more does. So much more does. And what I've realized is that he doesn't need me to accomplish and do what he's, what he's promised he'll accomplish and do through his church. And I try to live at that place. I, I try to live at this place. It's just a good way to kind of just model our life, especially as a Christian, that, that God doesn't need me, but he allows me. Like, like God don't need us, but he allows us. And what blows my mind is, I mean, look at how broken up, fragile mind. I mean, we just, we, this is all we get. And he still, he still allows us. In that, he allows us to be and to manage and to, and to lead and to walk with. And so I just try to live my life there at that place. My ministry there at that place. And just to be reminded that there's not one person that makes this thing go. That there's not one person that that's great or that good. And, and the same thing with the, the leadership team of this church, the, a member of this church or someone attending this place, that you're so vital that it would derail God's plans for his church, his bride, if you walked away or you were taken. And so I always just try to, to, to model that, have that fresh in my heart and my mind. And the reason why I do that is so I won't think that I'm something that I'm not. The reason why I do that is, is, is so I'll always be reminded of who God is and who I am. And how he's allowed me to have a part in that. Because all I know is I can get arrogant. Like, like I'm not like a real big boaster. 
I, but man, my heart can get wicked quick. Man, it can get, like, like have, you, have, you ever, have you ever been in that place where, like, you think that you know best until you get into that position, and then you realize real quick, oh, gosh. Uh, I can remember uh, early, early on in marriage, like, I would see how people would, like, I'd pick them up by their ears, and I would spank their tail, and I'd put them back down, and I would, you do that until you have a kid that doesn't receive that well. And, I, and here, I'm a spanking guy, so I'm going to spank. And, and I only spank when I really, really ask for it and need it and want it. That's the only time, that's when I'll spank. Um, but what I've learned is I've got three and all are different. Respond differently to certain disciplines and certain uh, ways you, you handle and deal with. Uh, like, like I've realized that I've seen that. And so sometimes it's not all, that doesn't work the best that way. Uh, but man, before I had kids, I, I, knew, I knew how to raise a kid. And I could, and nobody ever asked me, thank the Lord, but, 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 but I could have told them if they wanted to know. And I was real quick at pointing out and seeing what all was going on and how they could, yeah. Yeah, that little blessing of the Lord, I would do this. And I would take care of. And I, would. and I learned real, real quick that then what happens is you get in that place and you realize real fast, maybe I don't. I mean, there's, there's, even, there's even some of that in my heart here before it moved me to this position. Man, I would probably do this. I would, this is how I would handle that. This is how I would do this. Like, I knew it all, man. You know what I'm saying? I knew it all, and then I get in that position and in that place, and I find out real, real quick that I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. And, and what I love about that is what did that do? It drove me all the more to the cross of Christ. All the more. All the more. So, so I've, I've been at this for four years now here as your pastor, approach, going into year five here in October. And I'm just, I'm just, I don't have a clue. I don't, I don't have a clue. And most of you are like, well, brother, we knew that. Tell us something we don't know. But I, I don't. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to get a clue. Because when I get a clue, then I think I have something figured out. I think that I know what's best. Or I think that I know what's best. I don't want to get to that place where I'm not dependent on God. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I want to land and be at that place where, where, where I'm always aware and recognize my need for God to lead and move and do in my life. Why? Because it's so easy for us to make it about us. Make it about preference. Make it and rob God of his glory. And so that's, I want us to be, I want to be direct and intentional, especially as we've walked through certain scriptures, just to help us not be like we've been in the past. Help us to, to grow and mature past certain areas and places. And so what I want to do for a moment, I just want to brag on God for a moment. Can, I, can we just talk about his will for this place and what he's done and accomplished over the last four years, over the last um, uh, 15 years? Because it's obvious that he's got a plan for this place. It's obvious that we're walking out in his will. And so I'm starting my fifth year this month. And I just believe God's, God's using and working and doing and he's stirring some things right now. I mean, I said a few months ago that about 80% over the last four years of me being here have, have left. We've lost. And I believe in that. Some have tried to derail and tried to hurt and tried to, uh, to do certain things to this place. But I just want to say this, man, when God wills something, when God wills something, not even self-centered, rebellious Christians desiring to hurt can cause it to fail. Which means us in this room when we take our eyes off Christ. If it's God's will, he's going to bring it to be. And I believe, I believe he's going to work and do. And the problem James is addressing here in verse 15 is that man's will will never usurp God's will. We're just not that good. We're not that strong. We're not that, we can't do it. We're not that powerful. Because God is about his glory and his great name. And he's going to work and do to show that in the world, in this world. So, so let me just, just share some cool things that I believe that I've had the opportunity and privilege to be a part of here. 
So, so as we approach the fifth year, as I approach my fifth year walking as your shepherd leader, pastor of this church, man, the thing that I love is, look in this room, we've still got faithful men and women serving and caring. And, and I believe we're at a place that we've never been before with men and women and their hearts desire to bring glory and honor to Christ as it pertains to the vision and mission of this church. I mean, look for a second, the children's ministry over here. I mean, look at what God's doing. Look at what's happening. Look at, look, at, look at how he's transforming and changing and what he's doing. And, and we've had Ashley who's, who's played a vital, vital role of that. I mean, to help us keep afloat over those years of struggle and, and, and trying to figure out and trying to walk through and, and, and people leaving and, and COVID and, and all of that stuff. Look, look at what, how he's risen her up to, to do that. And, and even today what we've got going on and how God's working and moving and we've got plans there to continue to progress. I mean, I think of our student ministry. I mean, student ministry is tough to begin with. I mean, let's, let's throw you in a room with middle school, high school kids and just see what happens. I mean, ministry, student ministry is tough. And then not to mention the turnover and everything that happens there after so many years they go off to college and now it's just a rebuilding process constantly. I mean, what God's done there, how he's brought Austin to us and Austin is just doing a phenomenal job with, with loving those kids, loving families, the things that he's got going on back there, the way that he's caring for them, walking with them. And then I just think of the prime timers. I mean, well, we have 18 to 20 people that get together and just fellowship and have a good time and build relationship. And they're doing that monthly. What about our women's ministry? They went on a dang retreat last week. A bunch of women went off, and that's usually a dangerous thing. And I'm telling you right now, it's going to be dangerous because I believe God got a hold of some hearts. It's going to be, diff- it's going to be dangerous in a different way. We've got a vital ministry, women's ministry that meets once, once a week, that, that gets, gets together and... Uh, gets around the Word of God and allows the Word of God to shape and mold them? What about our men's ministry? Right, right now, once a month together and we have time around the Word, we have fellowship, we have breakfast. And, and, and I just believe God's got some pretty cool plans coming for that even. How He's going to stir that and how He's going to use that and work. What, what about our backpack ministry? This year we've got 35, 35 kids that we feed every week for the weekend. That, that we get to send food home with them through the public school system. And a verse. And, and we Love on them that way. Serve them that way. We're waiting to hear back from one more school, but that ministry is continuing to go. It's continuing to grow. What about this church? This gets me geeked up. We're slated to give almost $30,000 this year to missions. What that says is that our heart is not just in this place, but we are serious about taking the gospel to the nations that we want to give away, that we want to live as a church open-handedly. How can we help? How can we make the, the fame and name of Jesus known? We've got an after-school ministry that we started this summer, that God allowed us to start, not we. God allowed us to start it this summer. And this summer we had 38, 38 students at this place who heard the gospel weekly, who had chapel, a safe environment where they could be open and honest and real and have, have people in their life that would love on them and care for them. Right now we've We've got about 32 kids from our after school that we pick up, that we go and we pick up and bring back here, who, who are now learning verses every week, who are now having gospel conversations, who are having uh, devotions every day. I and mean, we've got leaders pouring into, caring, walking with. I mean, that's what God's doing. Uh, and by the way, I don't think I've told you this, but we bought a third bus. Yeah, I mean, that's debt-free with it. You know what I'm saying? God's blessing and using and working and doing. I mean, what does that mean? That means we can pick up more kids. 
That means we've got to back up in case one breaks down or something happens. I mean, that's all that, and there's more and more and more stories we could share and talk about and just brag on God moment. But, but that's not why, because God willed for it to happen. That was God's plan. That was God's desire. And, and man, we are praying and we are seeking and we are pressing in. And we're, we want to go bigger. We want to go crazier. God, we, we want you to step in and do something that only you can do. So we don't get any credit for it. We don't want the big head. We don't want, it to, we don't want to become arrogant because when we become arrogant, God closes the doors because we make it about us and not him. And, and all I know is this, is that he can do more with five who are serious and submitted than with 500 who half-heartedly do. And, and we want to be at that place if it's God's will it'll come to be. Nothing can short-circuit that. Nothing can short-circuit that. And so as we start to wind down, verse 16, he says this, as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. And so what James is doing is letting them know the problem from the very beginning of this scripture. It's their arrogance, it's their pride. And that expression of their says is boasting. You boast and you make it about you, look at what I've, me, me. And that's, that's, and all that they said was this, all that they made mention of is this, is today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such city, spend a year there and engage in business and make a that's all they said it doesn't seem to be that difficult it doesn't seem to be that bad does it it doesn't seem to be I mean mean, what is that that's all they said and James calls it boasting and what he calls is it's rooted in their arrogance look at what we'll do look at what we'll accomplish look at what we'll have and it's presumptuous that uh, of them that 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 they will do to think that they will do and they will accomplish see the problem with this statement is this is that there's not a dependence or reliance on God and his plan I'm going to accomplish, I'm going to make, I'm going to do. And that is arrogance and that is pride. Church, that's sin. I mean, God has been good to us, faithful to us. God has loved, cared for us, walked with us, and allowed his glory. All for his glory, all for his great name. And then he goes on in verse 17, and this is, he finishes here, and he says this. So, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. That, that's what he says. Like, like dang, James. Like, man, that, that's a bit aggressive, is it not? Uh, I mean, he's just trying to help these believers in this day and ours to what mature and be complete in all things that are of the Lord. And so what James is doing here is he isn't saying, uh, are you doing things that you know you shouldn't do, but, but are you doing the right things you know you should be doing? Which is kind of flipped in the day, is it not? Kind of flipped in the church, is it not? I mean, Christianity today is not don't, 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 don't. Don't, no, you can't do that. No, don't do that. No, well, what the heck do we do? I don't know, but all I know is that you don't. And James kind of flips it on its head, does he not? That's what are you doing the right things that you know you should be doing? That's what he goes after. Hear me, we need to not do. But in that, there's things that we know we should be doing that we need to be doing. Like, let's, let's just take a test and let's just get it, get it out of the way. Anybody this week had something that you know that you should have done and you didn't do? I mean, this church, I know it's hard to be honest, but okay, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. So we've all been in that boat. We, we all are at that place. We, we've all been there. And so I just, I, I just want to chat for a moment, just, just a little test to see even more so of the right things that we should be doing. And I don't want to see hands, but I just want you to think for a moment. Like the things that you know you should do, that you should be doing, are you, are you doing them? Like are you spending time in the Word? Like, like, you know you will never hear from God if you're not, you not never, but you won't hear from God on a regular basis like you should if you're not in his word. I mean, and it's great to listen to preachers, and it's great to listen, but, but read devotions, but you need to be in his word opening it, reading it, getting to know it, falling in love with it. 
See, I think the problem with God's word is that we read it too much like a textbook and not a love letter. You know what I'm saying? Like we read it to gather information and try to get a little bit more understanding instead of reading it as a creator who loves us and desires relationship for us and cares for us and comes after us. We just want to get facts and, and know certain things. Well, oh dang, the end of time is coming, is it not? Revelation. Well, crud, I can't read that. I mean, there are horses and fire-breathing stuff. It's got to be the Apache helicopters. Because you knew they were going to show up in that day. I'm being facetious. Just hang with me for a second. So we'll run to it to try to figure out stuff like that instead of falling in love with God. And as we fall in love with him, we're in it to hear from him, to know him, to grow in relationship with him. Not just to find out facts or how we can beat up somebody else with, with scripture. That's not what it's there for. And I'm not saying that we don't stand for truth and stand for what's right. But man, a heart, a heart behind that matters. So the right things we should be doing is spending time more about praying. Good gosh, don't get me started on praying. Like, like we'll give like those Hail Marys, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we'll, we'll throw a Hail Mary prayer in a moment, will we not? Well, crud, I've done, went down this road, acted like I wanted to act, doing what I want to do. God can bail me out. Dear Lord. Or when granny gets sick or when something happens, then, then we'll be people of prayer. But I mean, but who, who gets up just to pray to pray? To grow in relation? Not, not to ask Jesus for anything, but just to be in his presence and to linger in his presence through prayer. What about this? What about serving? Do you give your life away? Not when you're begged, not whenever they plead with you, not when they're, but, but that's just the natural desire of your heart because you've spent time in the Word. You've spent time in prayer and you want to you give away your life because you know it's not yours and because you know that you just, you just have this and, and if you don't do something in that, I, mean, I want to make an impact and that's all I've got. I mean, there's an urgency in me. Are you, are you serving? Are you pouring into the next generation? Which brings me to discipling. Like, are, are you... Like, are you, who are you walking with intentionally weekly? And I'm not talking about to talk about the game or how their car's doing. How's their dog this week? Did it get over that thing? No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about like pouring into iron sharpening iron type stuff to raise up and to release. Because the scripture says what? Go make disciples of all nations. So, so we're called to make disciples. So church, if we're not making disciples, what are we doing? We're sinning. That's why come first of the year, we're about to get very, very intentional, very, very real about how we do that, how we walk that out, what that will look like as we define it, as we walk through it, as we spend time together relationally, as, as, we, as we learn what true discipleship is. But that's one of those things that we know that we should be doing that we're probably not doing, that we need to be doing. What about this? Do you love your neighbor? And not the ones you like. All of them, because he doesn't put like a little asterisk in there. Like, well, that one, they let their dog pee on my yard. I'm not about, uh-uh. Get him out of here. No. And I'm talking about the one that you call the HOA about. Do you love them and care for them and walk with them? What about taking care of the widows and orphans? That's what true good religion is. That's what James says, is it not? Like, like are, we, are we doing that? Are we walking that out? And so what James is saying as the band comes back up is this, is that it's not enough to not just do what you know is wrong. It's not enough just to not do what you know is wrong. But you need to do what you know is right and pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. But that's what he's saying. It's not enough just to, just to not do. Church, we need to be doing. We need to be doing what we know is right. We need to be doing what we know God has outlined for us. We need to be doing what God, we know God has already said. Why? Because that's his will. You want to know what the will of God in your life is? to spend time in his word. The will of God in your life is to spend time in your prayer closet. The, the will of God in your life is to be serving in your life away. The, you don't have to pray about this stuff. You can know it. Why? Because it's revealed in Scripture for us to do. You start doing that stuff and imagine what he'll do and reveal to you in your life for, for the will of his will in your life. 
If we just do that stuff, there's no wonder he won't give us the big stuff because he can't trust us with little stuff. So that's what we got to be doing. Not just what we know we need to be doing. So as I close, my, my hope and prayer this week is I've just spent time in his word and looking and preparing for this. Four hopes that I hope God accomplishes through the work of his Holy Spirit this morning as we've read his revealed word. Is that we know the weight of how small and insignificant we are. That, that we will never forget this. And that we won't forget that. And the thing that blows my mind is in that, that God still pursues and loves and wants. To save, rescue, and redeem. And then use for his glory. So my hope, my hope is that we don't forget that. We, we don't forget that, that he invites us in. And, and may we run and be desperately dependent, which does what leads to a grateful heart, which helps us follow out his the second thing my hope and prayer is for us this morning is this, is that we plan and we prepare, but we're always open to the will and the plans of the Lord. Regardless of what he asks us to do. I mean, the fact that I don't faith and said, yeah, man, we, let's, let's do this after school ministry. Let's see what God's got for for us. And then we'll continue to pray and press in and see what else he's got for us. Well, because there's a community out here that needs Jesus. There are people right now that are doing And it's proclaiming the gospel, it's witnessing, it's telling, it's sharing, it's walking with, it's caring for, it's discipling. So man, may we be open to whatever the plan the Lord has for us. The third thing is this, is if there's any arrogance in your heart that would be revealed. Man, if, if there's one of us in this room that thinks that we're something, man, that God would just pull that to us and in that just squash it. And because it's all Him. The only reason why you can do anything is because God allows it. The weight of that for a moment. Yeah, but I've worked, no, you, you may think you've worked hard, but God has put you in places to, to help you get to that place. God has allowed it. Uh, instant, it could be gone. A moment. And I hope you feel the weight of that, and in the weight of that, you run to Him, not to you. And the last thing I'm going to ask you is this, are you doing the God-honoring good you know you need to do? raised our hand today when I asked that question and those of us that didn't raise our hand that probably should those of us maybe next life and when that presents itself for you to do good that you know you should do may you walk in that are you doing that and living it out you need to not do the knots but I think sometimes we focus on the knots and don't focus near enough on the do's so I don't know what God stirred in your heart this morning but what I know is this is that he loves you he desires a relationship with you to forgive you, to walk with you, to restore you. And wherever you're at this morning, man, the cross of Christ is enough. Is enough. If there's sin, you repent and you run back to. If you're not his, maybe he's stirring your heart and you have more questions. We'd love to talk to you more about that. But you be obedient in this moment. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to end with some worship. Father, we love you, Jesus. We thank you. Oh, God, I love your word. And it, it kicks sometimes and it stings. 
but God, how you work and move in that. God, I, I don't want to be satisfied. I don't want to be content. I don't want to be complacent. And God, I don't want anybody in this room to be that place either. Father, we're but a mist. We're but a vapor. It's a short period of time. Oh, Father, may we be tuned into what you have for us in that short period of time and live life to the fullest. And what I mean by the fullest is it's a life that honors and honors you and points people to you with everything we say and do. God, help us. Help us. And we pray. Amen. You stand. They're going to lead us.